invite you to open your Bibles to John chapter 11. John chapter 11. We're going to read the first 44 verses. Now a certain man was ill, Lazarus of Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. It was Mary who anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was ill. So the sisters sent to him saying, Lord, he whom you love is ill. But when Jesus heard it, he said, this illness does not lead to death. And it's for the glory of God, so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was ill, he stayed two days longer in the place where he was. Then after this, he said to his disciples, Let us go to Judea again. The disciples said to him, Rabbi, the Jews were just now trying to stone you, and are you going there again? Jesus answered, Are there not twelve hours in the day? If anyone walks in the day, he does not stumble because he sees the light of the world. But if anyone walks in the night, he stumbles because the light is not in him. After saying these things, he said to them, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I go to awaken him. The disciples said to him, Lord, if he has fallen asleep, he will recover. Now Jesus had spoken of his death, but they thought that he meant taking rest and sleep. Then Jesus told them plainly, Lazarus has died. And for your sake, I am glad that I was not there so that you may believe, but let us go to him. So Thomas called the twins, said to his fellow disciples, let us also go that we may die with him. Now when Jesus came, he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb four days Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles off, and many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to console them concerning their brother. So when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went and met him, but Mary remained seated in the house. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? She said to him, yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ the Son of God who is coming into the world. When Jesus had said this, she went and called her sister Mary, saying in private, The teacher is here and is calling for you. And when she heard it, she rose quickly and went to him. Now Jesus had not yet come into the village, but was still in the place where Martha had met him. When the Jews who were with him in the house, consoling her, saw Mary rise quickly and go out, they followed her supposing that she was going to the tomb to weep there. Now when Mary came to where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet, saying to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. 
When Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who had come with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in his spirit and greatly troubled. And he said, where have you laid him? They said to him, Lord, come and see. Jesus wept. So the Jews said, see how he loved him. But some of them said, could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man also have kept this man from dying? Then Jesus, deeply moved again, came to the tomb. It was a cave and a stone lay against it. And Jesus said, take away the stone. Martha, the sister of the dead man, said to him, Lord, by this time there will be an odor, for he has been dead four days. Jesus said to her, did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. And Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this on account of the people standing around, that they may believe that you sent me. When he had said these things, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The man who had died came out, his hands and feet bound with linen strips, and his face wrapped with a cloth. Jesus said to them, unbind him and let him go. This is the word of the Lord. Pray with me. Our Father, we ask that through your spirit you would open up our hearts and minds to receive this word. Spirit of God, that you would lift up high the name of Jesus and you would draw us irresistibly to him in this place. I pray that my words would fall to the ground, blow away, and not be remembered anymore. But Lord, may your words remain and may they change us. We pray this in the strong name of Jesus. Amen. Outside of Jesus' own resurrection, this is considered to be his greatest miracle that he ever performed during the three years in which he did ministry. But in the Gospel of John, as always, it's more than just a miracle, it's a sign. This is a, this is a gigantic sign pointing to who Jesus is and what our future hope is. This story begins with Jesus getting news concerning an illness of Lazarus. Lazarus was the brother of Martha and the brother of Mary. Um, and apparently he was very close to Jesus. He is known simply as the one whom you loved. There was, there was no other introduction needed. Lazarus is loved by Jesus. And, and this message that they send to Jesus is actually a, a beautiful picture of prayer. Uh, none, none of these sisters, they didn't ask anything of Jesus. They didn't make any demands. They didn't ask Jesus to, to come and heal him. They didn't ask for a miracle. They simply let Jesus know the situation. The one that you love is sick. They knew that if they just let Jesus know this, Jesus would never abandon one that he loves and Jesus loves Lazarus more than anyone, and so they simply put it in his hands. It's a great picture of prayer. If we don't know what to pray, we at least know who to go to. And we just say, Jesus, here it is. Here it is. Jesus responds to their news 
in verse 4, his response here in verse 4 really is going to define this entire chapter. Read with me. But when Jesus heard it, he said, This illness does not lead to death. It is for the glory of God, so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Now these are the words that are going to be conveyed back to Martha and to Mary. And these are the words that Jesus is later going to bring back up. Back up. He's going to refer to them when there is a resistance to him opening up the tomb. The rest of this story we really need to see through the lens of these words that Jesus speaks to them. Jesus says that this illness does not lead to death or it does not end in death. And then he says that it's going to result in the glory of God. So just as Jesus, when the disciples were looking at that man who was born blind and they said, why is this man born blind? Was it his sin or his father's? And he said it was neither. It was so that the glory of God might be displayed here. Jesus, once again, he points out suffering. He says, all suffering has a purpose. All pain has meaning, and it's for the glory of God. This is all part of a divine plan to glorify Jesus. And so Jesus gives this declaration, or he makes this promise, if you will, to Martha and to Mary that this illness will not lead to death. These were the words that they were supposed to hold on to. And so as Lazarus is getting sicker and sicker, they're holding on to these words. Jesus said, this is not a sickness that will lead to death. And then as the doctors come in and say, there's really nothing more we could do, they have to hold on to Jesus' words. Jesus said, this is not a sickness that will lead to death. And then when Lazarus breathes his last, they're to hold on to these words. And to say, Jesus said, though, that this was not an illness that would lead to death. This is the hope they were supposed to have. That death would not be the final destination of Lazarus. This illness wasn't to lead to death or end in death. It was going to go through death to something greater. And that's what Jesus is saying here. Jesus does not say that Lazarus will not die. He is saying that death will not be the end. This illness not, will not lead to death. It's going to lead through death to something far greater. And this is the hope of Mary. It's the hope of Martha. It's the hope of Lazarus. And it's the hope of us here in this room. Our hope is that when we are at death's door, we see it just as that. A door. We don't see it as a wall in which we hit. And that's the end of the road. We see it as a door that we go through into something greater. All of us here have been given the same promise that was given to Mary and to Martha and to Lazarus. That our illness will not end in death, but it will go through it. In verse 5, we read that Jesus really does love these people. It says that he loves Mary, he loves Martha, he loves Lazarus. They're a a special family to him, an inner circle, if you will, of people he really loved. And you would expect to read after that. So Jesus immediately, he heads off to Bethany, but that's not what we read. 
And said we read, so when he heard Lazarus was ill, he stayed two days longer in the place where he was. It's really odd when, when he's just been given news that the one he loved is sick, that he actually just stays. He does nothing. I mean, he could have just spoken a word. He has done that in the past, just speak a word, and a person miles away is healed. He doesn't do that. He doesn't pack his bags and head off rushing and go and heal him in person. Instead, he just sits. He delays coming to Lazarus, and he doesn't give any excuse. You know, we would give all types of excuses. It's a busy work week. You know, I've got so much to do. I just can't make it out there. But Jesus, nothing. He just doesn't go. We have no record of him doing anything. It, it seems like he's just killing time. And then finally he says, let's go. Now anybody who has spent time in prayer and has prayed for something serious and maybe had God answer it can relate to this. That God operates in his timing, not yours. He always answers our prayers according to his timetable. I mean, how often have you prayed and God answered when you wanted him to answer? Like, he, he rarely, if ever, does that. But then when he answers your prayer, you know what you always say? That came at the perfect time. It came at just the right time to, to really build my faith. It came at just the right time for Jesus to receive most glory. It came at just the right time to produce in me a thankful heart to him. And we end up on the back end, we see that God's timing is perfect, but as we're going through it, we wish he would just hurry up. But we need to trust God when he delays. And so Jesus, he waits, he waits a couple of days, and then he says that Lazarus has died and they need to go wake him. Look at verse 14. Then Jesus told them plainly, Lazarus has died. And for your sake, I am glad that I was not there, so that you may believe, but let us go to him. There is, there is so much in this little verse. There, there's a lot of theology packed in here. We, we, we don't have time to linger, but I want us to just put a little, little toe in. I, I can't just pass by this. When Jesus says that he's glad that he was not there, what he's implying is this. If I had been there, Lazarus wouldn't have died. That's, that's the implication. If I had been there, Lazarus would not have died. And it's because death cannot be in the presence of Jesus. Death can't be there. If he had been there, Lazarus would not have got sick anymore. Lazarus would have been healed. And so he says, it was best that I wasn't there because if I was there, he wouldn't have died. And I want him to die in order that you might see the glory of God. But if I go there, death must flee from my presence. And so you never have in scripture recorded ever anybody dying in the presence of Jesus. Life comes from his presence. Healing comes from his presence. And so he says, it was for the good that I was not there. There's more, but we, we got to move on. Verse 17. Verse 17. Now when Jesus came, he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles off. 
So Lazarus now has been dead for four days. It's a long time. What the author is hinting at here is that even if Jesus left from where he was after two days, he didn't hurry. Jesus took a leisure, leisurely stroll to get to where Lazarus was. So not only did he delay his coming, when he came, he came very slowly, taking his time. And just, just picture that from, from Martha's point of view, and she's probably out there on the road every day just kind of looking out to see, is Jesus going to come? Today's going to be the day he comes. There's still time. Lazarus, is, he's still all right. And then Lazarus dies, and she is still waiting She's still waiting. Messengers have already returned. It's just like, you, you told him, right? Yeah. She might have even heard that he left at one point, but is still coming so slowly. Had to be crushing to her that Jesus would delay coming for so long. And so when he does come, she immediately, she launches out and just says, why weren't you here? And you can hear the hurt in her voice. You can hear, look at verse 21. She runs out to meet Jesus. And she says, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. First words out of her mouth. They just kind of burst out of her mouth and they're full of anger. They're full of hurt here. Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. And then she, she kind of controls herself a little bit, and she does express a little bit of hope, and she says, but I know that even now, even now, even now, whatever you ask of God, I know he'll give you. Now, she is not at all thinking that Jesus is going to raise Lazarus from the dead. Her hope is in the resurrection on that last day. Verse 23, Jesus tells her plainly, your brother will rise again. And Martha said to him, well, I know that. I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? Jesus tells Martha here, your hope in this future resurrection, it all rests on me. It all rests on me. I'm the one who's going to bring it out. And you know what? In my presence, I make that future hope a present reality. I'm the resurrection. I'm the life. I'm the one who's going to cause all of that to happen, and I can cause that to happen now. Do you believe that? Death has to flee from the presence of Jesus. Has to. And he's asking Martha if she believes this. And I love how he presses it into her. He, he doesn't just throw like a theological grenade there, you know. I am, I am the resurrection into life. And then just walk away. He, he, he pushes her. Do you believe this? Is this going to make a difference in your life? Are you going to hold on to this? In the midst of such terrible loss, are you going to trust me in the words that I have promised? Jesus never just gives us theology and walks away. He gives us theology, presses it into us, and asks, do you believe this? Don't walk away. 
Do you believe this? He demands a response. After Martha responds, she, she goes and she gets her sister, Mary. Mary's not doing well. Apparently, she, she was so upset at Jesus that uh, we, we read earlier that she did not get up and run out with Mary. She stayed at home, probably so hurt and just fuming. But then Martha goes back and privately tells Mary, hey, Jesus really wants you to come and see him right now. And so she does. She gets up and she goes to him. And there she has the exact same reaction as Martha, but she literally, she collapses at his feet and says, if only you had been here, my brother would not have died. Most of you know that I lost my father when uh, I was a college student. My dad, he died of a heart attack. He was in relatively good health. Um, and, I, and I've shared that before, but, but not many of you know how he died, the circumstances involved in that. Uh, it was a Sunday afternoon. My dad, he was, he was outside. We had some neighbors over, some friends were over. He had his heart attack, and my mom immediately called 911. And there was no response. Uh, so she called again, and there was no response. She keeps calling, and she keeps calling. Uh, the, uh, the emergency response unit is less than one mile from our house. 30 minutes go by, and my dad is dying. And she keeps calling. Neighbors are calling. Finally, one of our neighbors just drives there and gets the, the paramedics and physically drives them back to our house. And after about 40 minutes, they pull in the drive. And as they pull in the drive, my dad dies. My mom says, where were you? Where were you? were you? I kept calling. When I, I've never been able to read this story the same. I've never been able to read this story the same, to see Mary's reaction or, or Martha's reaction. I've never seen it the same. I can, I can hear that hurt. Like, why did you not come? And the devastation that happened because they did not come. My mom lost her husband of 25 years because she put out a call and yet there was a breakdown in communication. When Jesus sees Martha collapsing at his feet, bawling, why did you not come? Why did you not come? Jesus gets very emotional just like I'd get emotional, just like anybody would get emotional, as he sees the destruction that death leaves in its wake. And it is a horrible destruction. My mom cried every day for over seven years because of this event and how it all unfolded. It is a pain you cannot believe. So Jesus sees this, and he gets really emotional. Look at verse 
33. When Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who had come with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in his spirit, and he was greatly troubled. Now, we have, we've never seen Jesus have emotions like this here. We haven't come across anything like this in Scripture. He's literally, he's overcome with emotion as he, as he sees these sisters really bawling before him. But, but what kind of emotion is he having? We read that he was, he was deeply moved in the Spirit and he was greatly troubled. But what, what do these words mean? Uh, the words here, deeply moved, they, they come from a Greek word that's actually used to describe the snorting of horses. It's, Jesus is like... <sighs> he's angry. He's angry. It's a, it's a sudden, deep anger. Some translations, you might have them in front of you, use the words groaned or sighed heavily, or deeply touched, but probably the best translation you could have is he was outraged. He was outraged at the scene before him. And then we read that he was greatly troubled, and this, this word for greatly troubled is the word that it was actually used earlier in John to describe the pool of Bethesda. When it says the pool of Bethesda, when it was stirred, people tried to get in it, or when it was bubbling. And so it's Jesus is bubbling over in emotion. He's being stirred deeply, bubbling over in emotion. So he's, he's outraged and he's bubbling over. But why? Jesus has never had a reaction like this before. But he does here. And I don't think you could just give a simple answer as to, well, he was just feeling this. I think Jesus was feeling all sorts of things. Just like my mom was feeling all of these things in which she was angry, she was hurt, she was suffering, and she wanted to lash out. It was all of these emotions, and I think Jesus is feeling all of these things right here. I think he is angry at the lack of faith that has been shown. I mean, didn't he tell them, this is not a sickness that will lead to death? He, he said that. Why don't they believe this? And didn't he also tell them that this was all going to happen in order that God might be glorified? Yet where is their faith? I think Jesus is angry at their grief because they are grieving as a people who have no hope. And then I think Jesus is outraged at sin and death and the wake of destruction that death leaves. And he's thinking, how long, how long is sin and death going to be masters over these people? How long does this have to continue? He's bubbling over with an anger as he sees the brokenness and the fallenness of this world all in display with the lack of faith and the suffering and the hurting and the death and the sin. It's all there bombarding him and he is literally overwhelmed with emotion and he sighs heavily. <sighs> he's outraged at death and he's going to do something about it. Of course, he's going to raise Lazarus now. We know that. 
But you know what he is also going to do? He's going to go straight to Jerusalem after this, where he's going to take on sin and death head on at the cross. He sees that problem before him now, and yes, he's going to raise Lazarus, but now he's going to go to the source. This galvanizes him to go to the cross. He will deal with sin and death once and for all. Jesus, I think probably out of deep emotion and anger here, is like, where have you laid him? Where have you laid him? And as they are taking Jesus to the tomb, we read these words that Jesus wept. Shortest verse in the Bible. Jesus wept. Now he's not, I don't believe he's, he's weeping because Lazarus is dead. Because he's just about to raise Lazarus from the death, dead. He's weeping over all of that pain that he is seeing from Mary and from Martha. All the, the grievers all around, all the brokenness, the same reasons that he is outraged, is the same reasons he now is overcome and he begins to weep. He's weeping because he knows it's not supposed to be this way. Jesus actually remembers a time when Adam and Eve used to walk in the cool of the evening with God himself. Where they would literally bask in the presence of the glory of God. In his presence is fullness of joy. In his right hands are pleasures forevermore. And then Adam and Eve just basked in that. That's what humans were made for. And now he looks, he says, and now we're this and now we're this. And he weeps at our condition. We were not made for this. And when the, the Jews, they, they see Jesus weeping, they say, oh, look. Look how he loved Lazarus. That is wrong. It should read, look how he loves Lazarus, not loved Lazarus. Because Jesus' love is always in the present tense. He will not refer to us in the past tense. Nothing can ever separate us from the love of Jesus. We saw that last week. For I am convinced that neither death nor life nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Jesus loves us with a forever love that even death cannot break. Look how he loves that's what it should read, how he loves Lazarus. Verse 37, we read that people once again express anger and disappointment in Jesus. Couldn't this guy who just healed the blind man, couldn't he have healed Lazarus if he was just here? Jesus hears this, and you know what his reaction is again? says that he was deeply moved. That same word, he was outraged. He's, <sighs> and he says, move the stone. Move the stone. The people immediately, they protest. 
Because by this time, Lazarus' body will have begun decay. It will, it will start to smell four days in there. And so they, they're like, no, we're not going to do this. And so Jesus reminds the people of his words, did I not say, did I not say that if you believe you're going to see the glory of God in this? He's reminding them, I said earlier, this sickness will not end in death. It's for the glory of God. Believe this. Now listen, this is where every one of us here, every person here lives at this moment, right here. This is where we live, in which there is pain and there is suffering in front of us. There is a, an open tomb in front of us. And all we have is we are staring at death. All we have is the word of Jesus. There is nothing else. As we look around, all we see is grief, pain, destruction, death, sin. That's all we see around us. And then we look and we see our fate in the grave. And the only thing we have is this promise of Jesus that it will not end here. Do you believe? Do you believe his words? That your sickness will not lead to death but through death to eternal life. They roll away the stone. I love this. Jesus immediately, he prays out loud for everyone to hear. He's, he's apparently been praying quietly. But he prays out loud and his, his first prayer is, Father, thank you that you heard me. Now, how, how does Jesus know at this point that God's heard him? Well, it's when the stone was rolled away, Jesus takes in a big breath. There's no smell of decay. There's no smell of death. Father, thank you. You have heard me. You have heard me. And then he looks into that abyss and he says, Lazarus, come forth. Jesus calls his sheep by name. And his sheep hear his voice and follow him. Even through death, they follow him. Jesus had to say the name of Lazarus because if Jesus had just said, come forth, every single tomb would have popped open and every person would have risen. Because Jesus has the authority not only to lay down his life and take it back again, he has authority over everyone's life. And someday he will say, come forth. He had already told us this in John 5 when he says this, truly, truly, or listen up, this is true. You can anchor your whole life on this. I say to you, an hour is coming and is now here when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and those who hear it will live. For as the Father has life in himself, so he has granted the Son also to have life in himself. Do not marvel at this, for an hour is coming when all, all who are in the tombs will hear his voice and come out. This is the promise that Jesus sets before us, that a day is coming when the, all the dead will hear his voice, and will stand before him. We, we get just a foretaste of this here with Lazarus. But listen, as great as this 
miracle was. Lazarus was raised with a body. He, he was put in the ground with a body that was perishable, and then he was raised with a body that was also perishable. The people were actually going to try to kill Lazarus later. But we will be buried with a body that is perishable and raised with a body that is imperishable, one that will never know death again. This is the promise that we have from Jesus, that our bodies right now, although they are breaking down, although they are already in some way beginning the process of decay and moving towards death, he says that this is a sickness that does not lead to death, but it goes through death to eternal life in me. And I ask you the same question that Jesus asked. Do you believe this? Because if you do, everything changes. Pray with me. Father, through your spirit, press this into us. I don't want just a casual belief. Lord, I want a deep belief, one that we can build our entire lives upon. I want everybody in here to feel the truly, truly I say to you, Lord, that you raise the dead. Lord, as we live our lives in that moment, that moment before the resurrection when everything around us seems like destruction and sin and death and all we have is your word, may we hold to it. Jesus, anchor that word in our hearts and souls. We pray this. In the strong name of our risen Jesus, amen.